What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Before I tell you my story, I have to tell you that I haven't worked at Disney for six months. I got the gig through their college program. Getting paid to work at the happiest place on earth? Great, right? Nope. I could write no sleep stories just about my day-to-day work there, but it wasn't all bad. The novelty of working there surprisingly never wore off. In mid-August, I was starting to legitimately enjoy it. That was until I got the complaint. Yeah, what's up with the additions? It scared the shit out of my kids. I sort of looked at this woman with the what the hell are you talking about face. We haven't done any additions to Pirates of Caribbean in a while. When was the last time you came here? We were just here in December. I'm just saying that that fish robot got way too close to the boat. Holy shit. For anybody who has been to Disney World... They should know that there is no fish animatronic on the ride. I cashed the woman out, called my supervisor over the walkie-talkie, and told her what she told me. Wait, what? Fuck. I'll be right over. Go to the nearest break room. I did just that. I sat in a cool room for a few minutes until my manager finally came in. She actually locked the door to make sure that we were the only two in there. So she sat there with something in the water? I told her yes and she asked me, did she say anything about hair? I sat there really confused. I said no and asked what she meant. Well, I got approached by a few guys, early 20s, and they told me they saw what looked like a mermaid near Barbosa's boat. I just assumed they were high and forgot, but if someone else saw it, we need to tell the ride runners. My manager and I headed towards the inner tunnels that led into the mechanical room for the ride. When a woman sprinted out of the exit, sobbing her eyes out, we quickly brought her to the break room and asked what was wrong. Through her sons, she tried to explain that while she was on a ride near the plundering scene, she saw something past the boat. Now, the water in the ride is not very deep, so what she described next sounded absurd. It looked like a mix between a fish and a person. Tom's were only a few inches long and... I saw the fucking gills. It had huge eyes, no nose, and a gaping mouth. We calmly asked her what color the scales were. No, no, I didn't have scales. It was flesh. Within five minutes, the ride was shut down. I didn't have high enough clearance to know what they were doing to find a thing on the ride. But my manager was cool enough to tell me what they found. Near the gel scene... A disgusting mound of flesh was left on top of the dog, but nothing else was seen. Now, like I said before, I was just a normal worker, so I don't know about any investigations I did about the pirates incident, but I do know when the next fucked up thing happened. A few days later, I was working in Hollywood Studios doing janitorial work when I heard a family talking as they left a great movie ride. Did you hear Kevin scream at the alien scene? 
The tween boy pushed the girl, who I assumed was his sister. Shut up! The robot came close to us. Did you see its eyes? Red flag. I assumed they were talking about the xenomorph scene, and what they were saying didn't add up. So yet again, I called up my supervisor. My supervisor there was a pretty young guy. I'd say about 25. So he thought I was fucking with him when I told him. But he had heard what happened at the pirate's ride, so he quickly took me seriously. What did it look like? Fuck. I had to practically chase his family down and stop them. That did like I was accusing them of doing something wrong when I asked him what happened. We didn't touch any of the props, sir, the father said. No, I don't think you did. I just really would like to know what was wrong with the animatronic. I was trying to pretend that what they saw belonged. Well, first, the slobber was a gross touch. It got on my nice sunglasses. A warning could have been nice. I'm very sorry. Could you describe the prop so we could take a look at it? You don't even know your own ride? The ostrich human thingy. I was so confused, so I asked her to explain more. She reluctantly went on. The thing covered in flesh, the bent legs, the arms in the shape of wings, and a really long neck. That one. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm very sorry. We'll take a look. I felt very uneasy, so I got away from them as quickly as I could and told my supervisor what they said. He told me that he would handle it and to get back to work. I stalled a bit doing my work so I could stay pretty close to the ride. It was shut down within minutes, and the plain-clothed Disney workers went inside the ride. But then, five carts drove up to the ride. Eight men holding medical masks and black briefcases ran inside. This was one thing I hadn't ever seen before. These Disney workers were breaking the magic, so it had to be serious. Luckily, the supervisor was pretty cool too and explained what they found in there. Little pieces of flesh were scattered around the Wizard of Oz scene, but something else was left there. The sticky note attached to the witch's broom. Two words were written on it. We're here. The next week felt really weird among the cast members. A lot of them explained that they felt like they were always being observed. I could notice that the secret security had been beat up in every park. I even got to talking with one that was down in the tunnels under the Magic Kingdom. I don't know much. They just told me that if I saw something suspicious, call the suits. People that have worked at Disney know what the suits are. They're pretty much Disney CIA. No, not in some freaky conspiracy kind of way. But whenever there's a serious threat to Patron's safety in the parks, the suits are there to respond. They don't actually wear suits. We just call them that because of the CIA parallel. They usually are behind the scenes ready to go at any given moment. They do all wear black polos though. So if you're at Disney and you see an unusually high amount of black polos in one area, you're probably in danger and you don't even know it. But back to the story. The last time I was involved in one of these incidents was two days before I quit. I was on a nightly cleanup shift. When all the patrons left the park, I was out there cleaning their shit up. This particular night, I was working alone in a line for Splash Mountain. The engineers had just passed me so I assumed they were done with their nightly inspections. But in passing, they told me that a garbage bag had been ripped open and I had a lot of work to do. Yup, right near the sign that says, Last chance to exit, a fully filled garbage bag had been ripped open and garbage was everywhere.
After 10 minutes, I was nearly done cleaning up until I heard a quiet voice. I looked up and saw that right at the entrance of the ride, a log was in the water and someone was in the front seat. The lights were all off and I had left my flashlight on the ground so I could barely see the person besides the outline of their body. Hey, the ride is closed. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave, please. I could see the figure shift. Whoever it was was getting out of the log. So I picked up my flashlight and shined it on them. To this day, I wish I hadn't. On the platform was this monstrosity. On all fours in a crab walking formation. But its head was straight up. Jesus Christ, its head. It had the eyes of a human, but the nose of a rabbit. And I shit you not, tall fucking gears. Oh, and it wasn't covered in fur or any type of clothing. It was covered in bare flesh. Even the ears were covered with flesh. The creature started advancing toward me in awkward, jerking motions. But it was moving pretty slow, so I sprinted back towards the exit. As I was racing towards the exit, I pulled out my walkie-talkie and screamed into it that I needed a suit right away. I stood outside the entrance for a minute, making sure that the thing wasn't behind me anymore, before a suit finally came. This time, it was something I had never seen before. He had a pistol with him. The suit checked all over the ride and found only a few things. Little piles of flesh and another sticky note taped to one of the vultures before the big drop. We won't leave. For the next day, they let me stay in a nice room in one of the pop hotels. People came to the room a few times asking what I had seen. But when I started to ask them questions, they all seemed to clam up. This pissed me off to no end, so I decided to quit. I'm sorry to finish this rather anticlimactically, but since I quit, the company has cut literally all ties with me. Back around December, for some reason I really wanted to go back there. They said yes, but only if they could do a screening. They gave no context for that, so I declined. I don't know what happened with those weird occurrences. The cast members that I still talk to have said no weird shit has gone on since that night. I have my theories on what those things were, but here's all I can say. Disney is a much more powerful corporation than many people think. I personally believe that those things were a product of someone that Disney had pissed off, or something that they had created themselves. All I know is, what I saw last summer will never leave my mind. I recently read somebody's thread on here about breaking into river country at Disney. I've also done it, but I took the next step as well, swimming to Discovery Island and spending the night there. I was a senior in college, finishing up my photography major when I began to hear hushed murmurs from my cohort about urbex, urban exploring. For those of you who don't know, Urbex is when people illegally break into abandoned locations and go exploring, usually just for the hell of it. It's become increasingly popular with photographers, because many of the occupants and businesses in these decrepit buildings just up and leave, 
leaving all sorts of records and items behind. It's like a living snapshot from decades, if not centuries ago. As soon as you make your first cautious step into the building, it takes hold of you and transports you to the past. I gained enough confidence to go urbexing with a few friends, and it didn't take long for me to fall in love. I visited abandoned funeral homes that were shut down a century ago, where I marveled at how the place still smelled of the embalming fluid still stored there, safe in their glass jars. Aside from layers of dust and debris, it looked and felt as if a funeral service would be held there within the hour, in the sanctuary. There was even an open casket near the pastor's podium, sitting there, with its polished oak and fine velvet interior, still waiting for someone to take their final journey. I explored abandoned hospitals and mental institutions. There have been shows that try to illustrate what the insides of these look like, but they hardly compare to being there yourself. Each time you enter one of these abandoned buildings, it's like you're in the gold room from The Shining, and you seem to be locked in a time warp for the duration of your stay. For instance, when I explored a mental hospital in the middle of my state, I continually expected a neurotic psych patient to come shuffling down every corner, which had me sweating bullets and kept me on edge all night long. Places of despair and suffering are especially prone to the collection of energy. I am absolutely certain that there are patients within that building that still reside there, even though their bodily forms have long since decayed. But enough about that. Every urbexer in my home state of Florida knows about River Country, located within the Fort Wilderness campground on Walt Disney World property. It's actually really easy to break into if you know what you're doing and where you need to go. Don't ask me how to get in. I won't tell you. It's a... thing for people of all ages to do. I, for one, have pictures of myself on the slides of River Country and at the shows and exhibits of Discovery Island when they were both in business. Some people do it because they're so obsessed with Disney that visiting the decrepit water park has become a rite of passage. The brave souls who visit the abandoned water park know that if they get caught, they are permanently banned from Walt Disney World for life. But for some like me and my friend Joe, the cheap thrill of exploration outweighed the consequences of being banned from the biggest tourist trap in the eastern U.S. After our first, and admittedly quick, visit to River Country one day before going drinking in downtown Disney, we decided that we wanted to swim the short distance between the park and Discovery Island. For those of you who don't know, Discovery Island was essentially a precursor to Animal Kingdom, functioning as a small zoo with various assortment of animals. When River Country shut down and Animal Kingdom opened around the same time, the animals from Discovery Island were moved to the theme park. A section of Animal Kingdom is still called Discovery Island to pay homage to the now-abandoned island. Anyway, Joe and I started planning that day as to how to get over to the island. As I'm sure you've also heard, Disney has eyes. Everywhere. There are cameras and security guards everywhere you look, and thankfully... You can learn to spot them in their hiding places. Joe and I hunched over our liquor in the most crowded parts of the bars of Pleasure Island as we talked in hushed voices about how and what we were going to do to get over to Discovery Island. Looking back, I'm thankful we weren't caught and banned for life based on the conversation we had that night. When Joe and I went back to our hotel room after drinking, 
I pulled out the laptop to do some research on the area around River Country, Discovery Island, and Bay Lake, which is the lake that the island sits in. The first thing I noticed was how much stuff there is online with regards to boat schedules and where security will be throughout Walt Disney World at any given time. Joe and I use these articles and forum posts to know when to avoid being around the island's shores. It's basically all day, if you are wondering. We also used aerial maps to extrapolate how long we had to swim. While many Disney forums said it would be a grueling 100-foot swim, Joe and I realized that it would be a 100-yard swim in calm water after visiting Fort Wilderness and River Country for ourselves. Thankfully, Joe and I were both strong swimmers, so the excursion wouldn't be a problem for us. The two of us would set out shortly after dusk. We packed essentials like water, food, and some survival gear, just in case, into a couple waterproof bags that would act as our personal flotation devices as we swam from River Country to Discovery Island. Then, we left our car at the hotel and took one of the complimentary Disney shuttles to Fort Wilderness, where we spent the day acting like tourists, sitting on the beaches, playing in the pool, and visiting the animals at the campground's petting zoo. When dusk came and the security guards went home for the night, Joe and I made our way back into River Country, which was to be our launch point to the island and our returning point when we came back. We operated in pitch darkness, making as little noise as possible as we found the hole in the fence that let us go into the abandoned water park. As with almost every other abandoned location I've visited, River Country looked frozen in time with its inner tubes, water slides, offices, and pathways still intact. Joe and I took some time to explore the empty pools and water slides of the park before making our way to our launch point. The silence of the night was broken when we started hearing banjo music blaring from everywhere, which made me jump a mile. I've probably watched Deliverance a few too many times. Soon after the corny little banjo time came on, path lights began to illuminate a safe route to our launch point. Apparently, Disney is too cheap to stop running electricity and music to their abandoned properties. The swim to Discovery Island was about as easy as I expected it to be on that calm winter night. There were pages and pages of forums that warned of alligators and brain-eating amoebas that populated Bay Lake, but I didn't heed their advice. Every native Floridian grows up swimming with alligators and diving in natural waterways with God knows what microbes, so swimming in Bay Lake would be no different. Joe and I made it to Discovery Island after about 30 minutes of slow swimming. We threw the waterproof bags on our backs and began our trek into the island, where it would be harder to spot us. Within our first few minutes on the island, Joe and I got this feeling of being watched. Like we were being stalked by some large predator. He chalked it up to adrenaline and called me a punk as we found the first path to follow. My childhood memories of Discovery Island are ones that I'll always cherish. I got to spend a week camping with my family at Fort Wilderness, and we would often take the ferry over to the island to visit the tropical birds and see the collections of exotic animals. It was like a scene straight out of Jungle Book, with its sculpted plants and the din of exotic animals rustling and calling out from the lush trees above. The quaint little island still holds its charm, although the exotic plants have overgrown and reclaimed the island, giving it a more wild appearance. The path we chose led up to a series of cages and small fences. It was obvious that during its glory days, 
This area housed a number of exotic birds that were free to roam around as they pleased. The cages were probably used to house small animals or large birds of some sort. Joe and I walked around the area, noting how the shallow ponds and sculpted waterfalls still retained their beauty. When we went to inspect the cages, which still had their exhibit signs on them, there was a large array of South American and African birds that once lived there, with the occasional mammal, but now all the cages were empty. I was inspecting a cage that once housed toucans, when I heard some shuffling nearby. Joe! Joe! What was that? I asked, looking around to spot the danger. Joe pulled a knife from his pocket and brandished it in the direction of the noise. He threatened to knife whatever came out of the bushes until he saw what it was. A tortoise. A giant, freaking tortoise. Like one of the ones from the Galapagos. Look, he must be a stowaway, I exclaimed, walking over to squat down in front of the large reptile. It hissed at me and raised its head in defense, as we were probably the first humans he had ever seen. I bet his parents laid eggs that the staff didn't know about. There might be a few of these guys scooting around the island, I bet. There's certainly enough vegetation for them to eat. I patted the tortoise's shell as Joe made his way over to do the same. See? This island's not so bad, huh? He asked, as he pet our new friend. His toothy grin reeked of the confidence and fearlessness that I lacked. Joe and I spent a few more moments with the tortoise before we moved on to explore more of the island. We found more exhibits and paths that led around this way and that. We couldn't help but take our time to explore each exhibit area and read every sign, spending an uneventful night nestled in the thick foliage of Discovery Island. Daytime was different, though. We had agreed to wait until dawn to start exploring the buildings that were still on the property, the majority of which we had found during our nighttime scouting. First was the gift shop, located just inside the main dock where the ferry used to pull in. The cheery images of Mickey, Minnie, Goofy and Donald in safari gear still looked new, even if the colors were slightly faded. There was still merchandise on the shelves as well, and Joe managed to stuff a commemorative magnet into his pocket while I looked at all the stuffed animals in t-shirts. I, for one, wasn't keen on stealing. Once we were finished checking out the gift shop, we went to go explore the husbandry buildings and indoor animal houses. These buildings were still all pitch black, save for the small areas of light that shone in through the windows, looking much like Mulder and Scully as we found the center of a large exhibit hall. Joe and I pulled out our flashlights and quickly realized that we weren't alone. Eyes. There were dozens of pairs of eyes reflecting the light, producing haunting orbs in the darkness. Joe and I froze in our tracks as we saw a colony of monkeys looking back at us. They were larger and far more muscular than any monkey I've ever seen before probably a cross between multiple species that used to be on display. One of them yawned and showed off its fangs that were easily the size of my middle finger. We knew we had to leave. Now. More leftovers, Joe murmured to me as we began shuffling backwards toward the door. We didn't lose focus on the group of primates who were beginning to congregate. My friend's heel caught on something as we moved and he fell backwards hitting his head on the cold concrete below with a loud smack, where he became unconscious. The colony of monkeys noticed Joe's fall as well, acting like one large animal. 
They all banded together and moved in sync toward the still body of my friend, whooping and hollering at the tops of their lungs. Their screams sounded human-like as they approached, some of them standing on two legs as they did so. The larger monkeys had to be at least four feet tall on their hind legs, looking almost human-like with patches of shaggy brown hair on their heads and coarse, short hair on their bodies. With about twenty of them now approaching Joe and I with a predatory stare, I knew that I was going to be no match fighting them off. I slowly backed up twenty-five yards or so away from my unconscious friend before the colony of monkeys made their descent. What happened then is something I'll never forget. The monkeys, who now surrounded my friend, began to eat him alive. Joe's screams of anguish were deafened by the screams of the monkeys, who were now excited and enraged. They took large, bloody bites out of my friend, ripping him apart like a child's doll. Joe had a slow death, slower than I would have imagined from being ripped open but I can only assume he was in a state of shock as the monkeys began to violently tear his intestines and other organs out of his body cavity and drag them off to their own corners of the room to eat. Occasionally, two monkeys would squabble over a clearly distinguishable body part, and I would often hear the loud crack of his bones being broken from their strong jaws and large teeth. I waited until every last monkey was occupied with eating before I made my escape out of the building and onto the edge of the island. Thankfully, none of them pursued me as I made my leave, beelining it to the opposite side of the island. My best friend was gone. It was his idea to go to this stupid island. He called me a punk for being so afraid. I guess I was right after all to have my wits about me, because he was now in a dozen pieces being ravenously devoured by some strange mutant primates that Disney doesn't want their guests to know about. I bet there are more animals on that island, ones that have evolved and mutated to become monstrous and aggressive beyond belief. I didn't stick around to find out. I can tell you that, for sure. Being banned by some stupid park was far safer than being stuck on an island with God knows what wants to eat me now. I don't even remember the swim back to river country except for the fact that I made it back to the main Fort Wilderness campground safe and sound without getting caught. Upon returning home and taking a week of personal time to recover, I went to a local Urbex meetup to tell people what had happened to my friend Joe. I was expecting surprised reactions from all the Urbexers, but instead, I was met with understanding and sympathy. Apparently, many people go out to Discovery Island. It's a thing just like breaking into river country is. However, most people don't make it back from the island alive, and the ones that do share their stories of predatory animals of all shapes and sizes. Some who survive their visit to Discovery Island say that Disney has a child trafficking ring, and the children who don't survive are brought to the island so that no evidence can be found. Others say that black magic and human sacrifices are performed there to keep Disney's profits up. Walt Disney himself knew a lot about occultism, as the stories go. It doesn't matter to me which rumor about Discovery Island you believe, or why you would even want to go urbexing on Disney property. If you are wise, you'll heed my advice and never swim out to that goddamned island. If you do, prepare yourself for the horrors that abound in that one place, 
that lifts the innocent veil of the happiest place on earth. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. I guess it's probably best if I start from the very beginning. My name, though not important, is Joey. Last year I was lucky enough to be able to get into the Disney College program. If you aren't familiar, that's when you basically get credits for working at Disney World. When I found out I was invited to the program, I was ecstatic. Even though I would leave all of my friends, I figured it was for the best. Admittedly, I had been partying a little too often lately and pushing off my schoolwork. So this could be a good opportunity for me. After a very extensive going away party, I was on a plane flying cross country to my new home. Well, for the next six months at least. I was assigned to a bunk room of sorts and given my job. I was to work on a haunted mansion ride in the Magic Kingdom. This was pretty exciting news for me. I've always loved spooky paranormal things. I noticed where I was geared towards children, but even still, I got my hours and was ready to start. The first couple of weeks were kind of slow. Being as it was my first time doing the program, you don't get to go in a busy summer season. However, it was Disney World, so obviously it was still a fairly busy place. I was getting pretty close with some of my co-workers, Eli, Micah, and Emily especially. We hung out almost every day before and after work, and if we were lucky enough to have the same days off, we would spend them together. Eli and Micah shortly after started dating, leaving Emily and I alone together a lot. Once two people become official, it tends to pry them away from friends. One night, the four of us had work together. Em and I finally got them to hang out with us after our shifts. We were going to play some cards and have a few drinks. The shift went by with little to no trouble. A few guests complaining some of the ghosts at the last dinner party scene were too scary for the kids. We politely had to apologize. You find yourself saying sorry a lot in this job. They all kept complaining about the lady crying in a bloody dress by the fireplace. That struck me as odd. I had been on a ride and walked through the ride countless times. Never did I see that woman. I brushed it off. The shift ended with throbbing feet. It's funny, I'm not an athlete by any means, but I was not lazy at all. I would skateboard every day, hike all the time, play sports whenever I had the chance, but my feet still hurt from walking on that moving walkway for 8 to 12 hours a day. I showered and went back into my room. My friends were waiting for me. Eli was watching TV. I remember this clear as day. The Bruins were playing the avalanche. Him being from Colorado and me being from just outside Boston, we had some choice words for each other. The girls had their girl talk while we kept drinking and yelling at each other. When the game was over, we were all good and drunk, so the cars were never even opened. 
We did what drunk kids do. We talked. It wasn't long before someone brought up the weird complaints made today. I wanted to bring it up myself, but Micah did it first. Eli, being the one who worked there the longest, suddenly became very serious. Let's not even get into that. Just forget it, he said. His tone seemed stern. It made no sense because he was so laid back. What? What's your problem? Micah asked him. She also saw the change in his demeanor. It's just, once you know, you can't go back, he said, looking down, shaking his head. I still wish I didn't know. Guys, let's just leave it alone, I suggested, totally planning on making him tell me when we were alone. No, I want to hear, Emily said. Micah agreed, so it looked like Eli was going to crack. There's a legend, I guess you can call it. Have you ever heard of the talk of the Jess Woods around? He asked us. I mean, I've heard the name, but no specifics, I admitted. The girls agreed. They are a very, very wealthy family that was in business with Disney World in the early 80s. The daughter's name was Isabel. Isabel Jesswood, he continued. Emily interjected. Oh, I've heard of that name for sure, she exclaimed. Well, she was to be married right here in Disney. To a man whose name honestly escapes me. However, the week before, it was found out that he was a con artist. He never really loved her. He was already engaged to another woman, in fact. He was just in it for her money. My God, that is awful, Micah said while pouring another drink. When she found out, she was destroyed. Destroyed to the point of no return. Their favorite ride in a park was the Haunted Mansion. So towards the end of the night, she put on her wedding dress and got on a ride. After downing two bottles of antidepressants and a bottle of Jack, she was dead before the ride even ended. He finished and took a shot. Shut the fuck up, Emily said. You're so full of shit. Yeah, man, I have to admit, you had me for a second, I admitted. Babe, I had no idea you were so creative. Micah kissed him. I wish I was joking. You'll see. Now that you know, you'll feel it. You'll hear it. She knows that you know now. After that, we all kind of just moved on. It wasn't right away. Maybe two or three shifts later I hear it. A slight cry. Like a sob. I was working the exit of the ride alone, which isn't unusual for a Tuesday night on the off-season. I checked the camera to make sure a kid didn't get out of their seat which was rare but not unheard of. Nothing. Not a single person. There hadn't been a person in the last half hour at least anyway. I walked along the path to the emergency exit just to make sure the cam wasn't missing anything. The whole time hearing the cry. Again, nothing. Suddenly I felt wrong. Like the feeling you get when you know someone is watching you. That weight. The uncomfortable, almost indescribable feeling. I walked, embarrassingly a lot faster than I would like to admit, back to my post, and counted down the seconds until I could leave. This would happen sporadically, but nothing more than the cry and the feeling. I decided I would ask my friends about it. They too had been hearing it. Emily was the worst. She swore something had been following her. 
It got to the point where I would sleep over her place just so she could sleep in general. This horrifying event brought her and I closer and closer. She would wake up every morning at 3 a.m. sharp, drenched in sweat and gasping for air. I would calm her down and get her back to bed. This went on for a few months. I started having the same nightmare she was having. I dreamt about the ride and being paralyzed in a seat, not able to move at all. But the ride wasn't the funny cute kids ride. It was a scene of pure horror and violence. A massacre, ending with a woman dead in a seat next to me. I was determined to find out what was going on. So one night on a day off, I called Eli and we were going to go out to a bar. We sat in the booth and ordered our beers. Jesus, man, you look like shit, he said to me. I haven't been sleeping well if I'm being honest, dude. The whole Chesswood story has Emily and I pretty shaken up. He frowned. Yeah, Micah too. I wasn't completely truthful with you. He grabbed his beer and took a sip, slamming it back on the table. I'm not sure if it was a sleep deprivation, the heat, the beers were all of above. But as soon as he said that, I had a flash of anger and pictured myself jumping across the table and wrapping my hands around his throat. Well, now's the chance, I guess. I passed her to you guys. He ordered us more beers and a round of shots. She was stalking me. I had just learned of her a few weeks ago. That's what she does. She stalks the person or people have just learned about her. The drinks were delivered. He took his shot and slid mine to me. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. We took the shots. All you have to do is tell someone else a story. And this will all go away. She will move on to whoever you tell it to. You son of a bitch. I grabbed his shirt and gave him a solid right hook across the table. He didn't even try and fight back. How could you do that to us? To Micah, your girlfriend. I threw him back into his seat. I was drunk. I didn't want any of this to happen. You guys made me tell you. He tried to justify his actions. I'm sorry, Joey. Truly, I am. But this is your issue now. It took all I had not to beat him into the ground. But I got up and went to tell Emily and Micah the whole story. When I did, they immediately believed me. So we decided we needed to tell someone and someone fast. Have you heard the story of Isabel Jesswood? You should really stay away from the haunted mansion. <laughs> I'd like to thank Mad Mike for the opportunity to be featured on this video. I invite you to check out my channel, Mr. X Dreams, where I regale you with the chronicles of my dreams and nightmares, original stories, and haunting tales. I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. 
Head to Hero.co to shop today.